Save the date for the 12th of September. Join our webinar on digital transformation in manufacturing. We are exploring how IoT, AI and smart factories are reshaping our sector. Hear from industry leaders like Airbus, Rolls-Royce and Heriot Watt University. This is a must attend for professionals and decision makers in manufacturing. So register now at resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. That's resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. The link is also in the description. I had a great conversation this week with John Pierce, CEO at Made in Britain, an organisation that's helping British manufacturers sell more with one mark. We talked about localising supply chains, how products are sourced, what we do about the scarcity of resources and challenges for new and growing UK manufacturers. From Redfern Media, this is Remake Manufacturing. My guest this week is John Pierce, CEO of Made in Britain, the official collective mark for British manufacturers across 30 product classes. Their aim is to bring together the entire manufacturing community in Britain, and they're growing very, very fast, taking on new members all the time. So here to tell us all about it, John Pierce, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us more about Made in Britain. Who are your members and how do you help them? The members are all manufacturers. So we are in a long-term effort, really, to, to try and unify all of the manufacturers in Britain. Most of our members are SME manufacturers, so their business is turning over 30 million or less. But we do have uh, 5% of our membership that are turning over you know, 30 million or more, which puts them into a different category. But essentially, this is a group of SME thriving manufacturers, and we put them all together in the same database. And we unify them under what's called the uh, the Made in Britain collective mark, which is the official mark that lots of people have seen, um, hopefully on the millions of products that are using it now. So the effort of our organization is really to bring these businesses together and to help them to celebrate their manufacturing credentials, but also improve their chances of success in the future by learning from each other, using the mark to emphasize that they are British manufacturers, that they're here and that they're meaningfully employing people to make high quality products in this country and that the mark is is something that we want to add value to every year by reminding people that it is important to buy things that are made closer to where they're needed. Absolutely and how big is the group how many members are in it and how fast are you growing at the moment? We grew much faster last year than in previous years we've tended to grow over the years at the rate of sort of one a day uh, generally speaking so 30 a month Uh, last year we grew at, at more than 40 a month uh, and that was a lots of, diff- lots of different reasons for that. We we promoted the mark a lot more. The mark is being seen. The more members that join, the more uh, other manufacturers realise that there is a, an effort here to to promote manufacturing and to promote uh, high quality manufactured goods that are made in this country together, and to do it in this way. Um, and we think that that increased emphasis on on locally made, uh, brought about by the pandemic and maybe the run up to to the Brexit. Um, maybe those two things work together in our favour. Uh, but we, we generally speaking, we add a new member every day, so 30 to 40 every month. Um, and that's part of the beauty of the organisation, that it, it grows and it grows in influence and impact as the membership number grows. So it's snowballing fast. What does membership in the community get for members? Uh, how do they help each other? Well, our objective as an organisation is one, really. We only have one purpose, and that's to help the members sell more with one mark. 
And so what they principally get for their membership uh, and license fee is the license to use the mark as much as possible. You know, we, we have extreme users, I would call them, people who are using the mark on absolutely everything. Um, so they, they will put it obviously on their product to identify their product, but they'll use it on their on their trade show displays. They'll put it obviously in their digital media and their social media and their corporate communications. And some even put it on the workwear of the employees that are working for them. Um, but essentially, the, the first priority uh, benefit of membership is that you've got the license for one year to be part of the organization, to use the mark and to use the mark as an asset for you, as a marketing asset for, for your business. But then we do add on a lot of, uh, let's call them um, other benefits to, to membership, you know, primarily publishing what you do uh, via our free for membership news channel. So there is a news service for members that, uh, that we edit. Uh, members tell us what they're up to. Uh, they tell us how they're succeeding. We publish those stories with images and, and sometimes videos. Uh, and we, we have our own bespoke news channel that is only for British manufacturers that are members of Made in Britain. Um, and we push that message out about the, about the collective nature of the group and how it's growing. We push that message out to, to social media and, and to conventional PR as well. That's part of the objective of what we do. And then the other thing is that members can network with each other. Um, manufacturers are uh, uniquely reliant on each other. And, you know, that they, they, all, uh, they all make something. Uh, we have a, a really beautiful sort of statistic about made, made in Britain membership is that half of our members are making a retail product and the, other are making, the others are making something sort of trade or industrial. And by putting these manufacturers all together uh, of lots of different sizes and, and locations around the country, we're also helping them to reset the supply chain around things that they didn't know were made here that can be part of their componentry or their supply chain, uh, revolutionary new materials, for example, that might be made by another manufacturer or sourced by another manufacturer. And these are businesses that are prepared to, to drop their guard a little bit, their competitive guard a little bit, and actually share that knowledge for the sake of a better and more efficient uh, manufacturing community. And, and you know, with the, with the challenges of resources uh, and costs at the moment, then uh, then, then that's that's more important every day, actually, for for members, uh, for our members that are that are needing raw materials to actually know where other members are, because sometimes that might be, you know, literally down the road in some cases, and mm. uh, sort of giving them visibility with each other is as much of a priority for us as as anything else. Yeah, absolutely. That sense of community feels so important with all the challenges facing um, the manufacturing world today, which we're going to get onto. Mm. Um, pulling back a little bit to talk about the industry, what would you say is the state of the manufacturing sector in the UK today? Um, I think there is a lot of evidence for optimism. Right. <laughs> you know, we, we, we as an organisation, we are, we are sort of uh, famously, actually, you know, uh, our chairman often says we're relentlessly optimistic about, about the sector. We have to be, you know, we have to be optimistic but i think um this year uh there, there have been lots of reasons to you know just to, to see more red flags on, on the risk register mm. um you know the the i would say you know sort of understanding the the businesses across membership and i try to speak to a, a broad profile of our members as often as possible um there is still you know optimism that the future of manufacturing locally is is good uh and and that you know procurement professionals that we speak to that actually speak to members to help give them guidance on on how to sort of succeed in in procurement with UK government and 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 other sort of government bodies and procurement professionals you know there is a move towards wanting to know more about what is actually made here 
and who's making it. And there, there is definitely a, a trend that we're seeing in, in the surveying that we doing that we do and with reading the news stories that come in. There is a trend for buyers and consumers to want to know where something has come from and who's made it, you know, frankly. I mean, it's sort of an emphasis, I suppose, on proximity over price. We run an annual survey for propensity for buying British-made goods. We run it to see whether we're making a difference or not. We've been running it for the past four years, and we definitely are making a difference. Um, But in a year that we're having at the moment with all of the different business challenges, uh, some of which are, are completely out of the control of manufacturers, I would say, you know, there is still a broad mood of optimism, but with realism about, you know, what they've got to do and how they've got to adapt to fill in the gaps, because there will be gaps in, in manufacturing. Um, and those will be revealed as more and more people decide to procure their products from a locally made, uh, from a local manufacturer that's in, in Britain, and consumers decide to buy something that's made closer to where they live. Mm. And it, it makes um, organisations such as yours that support the industry seem so much more important with the challenges that we've been facing, as you say, over the last couple of years. Just focusing on those for a minute, what would you say are maybe the top three issues that the industry is facing? What are the, what are the most pressing challenges? I think uh, if, if we're speaking within within the constraints of, say, one month, <laughs> you know, I mean, there, <laughs> there, are, there, are, there are new business challenges every, every day almost at the moment. But I would say certainly... Uh, inflation, actually, inflation in in the price of raw materials, um, and whether that's brought about by the increase in shipping costs, which everyone is is saying is happening, um, and and is definitely you know projected to carry on for the foreseeable future, then I think you know controlling your costs and managing the risks, I think, is the main is the main area of of work that manufacturers have to do, and and if you can learn. You know, it, it, within the network of Made in Britain or any of the other, you know, specific sector-specific trade bodies, because there are there are lots of uh, that focus on, say, specifically one type of product. Um, but you know, the, the 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 knowledge that that you can share across membership of a manufacturing organisation is unique, of course, because only manufacturers have the multiple challenge of an increase in price in logistics but also you know, a fluctuation and, and sometimes a very dramatic fluctuation in the price of their raw materials. Um, and this is what's leading manufacturers to look at alternative materials and starting to address you know, the, what waste they're sending off the premises and can that be turned into raw materials for someone else. And again, you come back to the interconnectivity of manufacturing, how they are reliant on each other in lots of different ways. And we're just giving them a platform to connect quicker and better with the right kind of businesses that can help them address these challenges. I, I think, to be honest, I, I think inflation is is the inflation of, of both you know shipping costs and raw material prices. I think that's the primary challenge that we all have at the moment, because mm-hmm. what do we do about it when we know the projections are, are quite uh, eye-watering when you look at uh, the price of things going up? Remake Manufacturing is brought to you by Redfern Media, the digital agency for B2B manufacturers. We partner with B2B manufacturers to listen, think, create, and innovate. To find out more, head over to remakemanufacturing.com and sign up to the podcast, plus manufacturing marketing and technology insights. Now, back to the show. Well, moving sideways to a slightly different issue then, skill shortages has long been an issue for the industry. From your point of view, what measures do you think have been working and what else do we need to try to be more effective? I've been working with with British manufacturers now for six years. So I, I was uh, appointed um, six years ago, and 
and I've got to know you know quite a few of the uh, the businesses that are obviously a member members have made in Britain. Many of them, most of them, have actually been members for that entire time. So they've chosen to stay with us, if you like. Um, I've never really uh, understood uh, the difference between how some people talk about the British manufacturing sector and, and say that there's a skills shortage uh, and that, you know, there is a perception that it's perhaps dirty work, you know. Um, the, the thing is, I, th- I think with, with manufacturing uh, at, at the SME level, let's, let's say the smaller manufacturers, um, there is an enormous variety of work to do, you know, at a typical manufacturing business, let's say it's employing 100 people, you know, at least 10% of those will be doing something other than actually making the product. And, and in some cases, it will be a lot higher than that. And I think the skill shortages, uh, you know, the, the way they're addressed, I think, is, is actually by members getting to know each other and, and by, you know, changing the message a little bit about what skills are required. Highly skilled work obviously requires somebody that's been uh, highly trained and highly skilled learning how to do a specific thing within a factory but you know we don't have a shortage of skilled people in the marketing sector or the procurement sector or lots of the other you know industries and 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 sectors that are required to make up a successful manufacturing business and i think it's this complexity of what happens at a manufacturing site that is really unique and that people sometimes overlook when they when they consider that we yeah we do need more skilled skilled people there are certain skilled areas of manufacturing uh, where there are, are shortages, um, but there certainly isn't a shortage of attractive work to do at a manufacturing site. And one of the things I, I know about manufacturers, anecdotally from our members, is, is that they all make the effort to to move people around within the manufacturing environment. So even if you join a manufacturing business with a certain set of skills, there is ample opportunity for you to do something else. Because frankly, every kind of profession is needed at a manufacturer to, to make a manufacturer successful. You need great lawyers, you need great designers, great marketeers, great administrators, great financers. You need absolutely every single human skill set on board within a manufacturing business to make it work. And uh, I've only ever seen a really, really attractive working environment filled with, you know, people doing meaningful, interesting work. I'm sure that we can evolve the message about manufacturing to say, look, this is really interesting uh, skilled employment uh, and just come on board and and that's a message that we we act as a platform for that message really and our members by sh- sharing their good news about you know, they tell us when they when they've increased their employment or they're looking for new people they tell us and we we help disseminate that news for them to try and sort of shift the needle on on positive messages about about the skills requirement and perhaps make the skills uh, emphasis a bit more accurate mm. Well, that that positive messaging still—it's a bit stubborn the way it's the perception has been stuck on on factories being, you know, grubby, dirty places where you know unskilled workers are grafting away. Mm. When the reality is, as you say, there's all kinds of skills involved, and and often the manufacturing is high tech and modern and quite exciting. So, mm. what is the strategy for shifting the needle on that? Well, our, our primary strategy is to grow the organisation. Um, you know, as I was saying earlier, you know, if we if we grow the organization in number of members that are sharing their good news with the broad public, you know, our, our strategy is to, is to increase the size of the platform that we give those, those members. Um, we also have a, have a strategy of maintaining a, an affordable membership system. So we have a, you know, the members who join Made in Britain, they have to qualify, they have to share with us 
a long list of, of detail on their business. You know, we call this sort of extreme transparency, really, in, in membership. And we use the asset of that transparency to give visibility to the sector and to, to move the needle on, for example, attractiveness of the sector itself to the general public and to consumers as well. And then the other way that we're moving the needle is by getting more and more members to use the mark on their products so that consumers and buyers know exactly what is made where. Mm. So every product that you see with a Made in Britain mark on it, with a registered Made in Britain collective mark, you've got traceability of that product back to our website. So our members can also publish details of their products, up to 25 of their products will appear on our, our website. That is then circled back to their membership directory page, which has all the details of their business. So the transparency is really our greatest weapon in proving to people that, look, yeah, you can choose something based on criteria of proximity. Uh, yes, price will always be an issue for everything, but you know, fit for purpose, quality, responsibility and proximity are actually equally important. And we, we're trying to give uh, a platform for all of those criteria. And actually, the more members that use the, the mark on their products and to identify them as a business, then the more people will be exposed to this verification system that we, we are establishing. Mm. And as you said earlier, with Brexit and the, and the pandemic um, forcing people away from difficult trade situations, does that mean uh, there's a new focus on localizing supply chains? What have you seen there? I think there is a focus on, on, on localizing supply chains. I also think the, the word local is, is sort of evolving uh, last year and this year. I think, you know, when people used to refer to local as, as sort of locally made honey or cheese or something. Um, but when the PPI, PPE crisis uh, hit uh, at the beginning of last year, you know, we noticed a sudden uptick in literally dozens of our members deciding to make PPE and not just for themselves, but actually make it and, and supply it to local businesses and in some cases to the healthcare sector. Mm. Um, and this this move across across the year that was really addressing the emergency of of you know lead times on PPE and availability of PPE, I think that did shift the public consciousness about about you know where stuff comes from and is it fit for purpose and, and safe. And I think that personally, I think that has that has evolved the word local so that now we can in the in the vocabulary of made in Britain we can quite easily talk about local manufacturing as being locally as in in this country, which is only ever going to be two or three hours drive away uh, from from somewhere. You know, you've got a locality of Britain, but then you've also got, you know, locally made as in members getting together in regional clusters because we have proximity measures made in Britain. We know exactly where our members are. We know what they know where their factories are. We identify those together. We can actually tell our members, you know, if they're holding an event, for example, we can tell them all of the manufacturers making all sorts of other things that are within a drive away from where they are. If they want to invite them to a, a, to a, to a PR event or to an important launch of a, of a manufacturing investment, that's something that the platform of Made in Britain does almost uniquely is put them in touch with local manufacturers to them. So I, I think there is a, a move. I think, I think the local dial is moving. And I think the progress, I think it has progress for society to, to think, well, yeah, locally made can be you know, local as in up the road or local as in, you know, within the geographical confines of, of the country that we live in. 
And connected to that, uh, another issue high on everyone's agenda these days is sustainability. So what are you seeing uh, in the manufacturing industry about how this issue is evolving? How can we improve things there? This is certainly a very, very serious issue for, for manufacturers. And I, I would argue that it's more serious for manufacturers than any other business because manufacturers can't greenwash, of course. They, uh, they are lumbered with, with the enormous uh, consequences of using loads of energy because nearly all of our mem- members will be needing you know, serious amounts of, of energy, not, uh, not uh, anything else. Really, you, you need energy to make things. You need labour, obviously, so you have to employ people. Um, and in this country, you've got to employ them fairly and you've got to pay them properly. But then the the big uh, the the real change maker if you like for manufacturing is of course that they ha- they are lumbered with uh, w- with something that that no other business sector really has as much and that is that is resource scarcity. Mm. Um, you know, members our members are all using raw materials to make something with people on a factory premises. You know, and the the element of of you know where are your raw materials coming from. How much uh, are you sending in waste to how much are you paying for somebody to take the waste off your premises? You know, um, these are factors that are existential threats to manufacturing. And we've understood this for a long time at Made in Britain. We have some incredibly green uh, members. Uh, We put a working group together last year and actually designed our own manufacturing survey and platform for our members where they can evaluate their business through the lens of sustainability. And we've done that in, in partnership with the UN Global Compact on the Sustainable Development Goal 12, so that all of the results of, of the member survey when they completed are actually recognizable with universally agreed sustainability uh, science-based targets. Um, you know, this is, this is a, a project that's, that's absolute priority for us because we know that members are using raw materials we know, uh, as we were just saying, that raw materials are going up in price and that members, no matter how big or small their businesses are, are they're going to have to make an evaluation as, as to what is the future of the raw materials that they're buying and where are they coming from and what are the negative consequences of that on, on the environment and the society that we, that we live in. And so our solution, if you like, to that is to set up what we call the Green Growth platform uh, members can complete uh, free of charge uh, a survey it's quite a detailed survey but it essentially unpacks their sustainability uh, challenges uh, and, and gives them a sort of self-checker as to where they are but we also point them to to high quality advice both from other members and from outside parties and from government as to how they can they can move their own green needle and improve their sustainability Above all else, because, you know, frankly, if you don't have a sustainability message these days in business, you, you, you really better have one pretty quick. Um, you know, all of us are living through this, you know, as individuals, we're all thinking, well, God, I'm throwing out this much waste every, every week. Well, businesses have that in the extreme. And we want to focus their efforts. We, we know that so many of our members are doing extremely uh, interesting circular projects. Um, you know where they're taking raw materials and or they're t- taking old products and converting them back into high quality raw materials to make the same product again to give it extra longevity and we have plenty of members that are accepting their own products back to factory which is a pr- practice in some cases has been going on for years and of course you know without the platform to talk about that then it, it becomes very hard for a, for a member to uh, to use it in their marketing material to to change their message but we do believe in that at Made in Britain. We know that it's a unique challenge. 
And for manufacturing, I would argue that it's as important, if not more important, than the climate change net zero uh, debate, which is obviously of vital importance, but it's not the only important issue for a manufacturing business when you're using you know, large volumes of raw materials, which, which all have you know, red flags of risk around, around scarcity and price. Mm, very interesting. Um, the pandemic then has it's seen lots of new businesses setting up, um, but manufacturers have a very different set of challenges to other sectors. For example, an online business, it's very easy to uh, set up a, a business quite quickly that way. What would you say are the key challenges for new and growing UK manufacturers? I think the uh, well, the, uh, as I, as I said before, the pandemic really revealed, brought out the best in British manufacturing. In my view, um, we saw plenty of our manu- manufacturers that pivoted towards making PPE. But I think the the peak of the pandemic, let's say in the middle of last year, you know, our manufacturers in the main were were still at work. You know, they were they were obeying social distancing rules, and you know, many of our manufacturers uh, and we have. 20% of our manufacturers are working in construction sector, for example, are making construction products, and they they would be feeding their products into the construction sector as normal, and much of the construction uh, industry didn't really you know, take, take uh, the, the lockdown in the same way uh, as the general public did. Mm. I think the lesson learned is that you know, we need to know where things come from and who's making them, and that in a, in a pandemic or any other kind of national emergency, that that information becomes absolutely vital to everyone. And I think it comes back to transparency, you know, with, with the members that are now making PPE, some of them for the first time, but others have just expanded their PPE portfolio because of the pandemic. Um, there's nothing to hide with these businesses. And that's really important if, if you want, in the case of PPE, you want it to actually be fit for purpose. That, that is the primary a primary issue with PPE was that it should be fit for purpose. It should be medically uh, appropriate. It should be specified exactly as it's meant to be specified so that it's, it works to do what it's meant to do. Um, and I think that renewed emphasis on, on, on responsibility of, of business uh, and especially manufacturers when we're talking about making PPE or, or any other healthcare equipment locally I think the responsibility that they take is is perhaps my my key takeaway for the whole year is that now we want a responsible business to provide a product that is fit for purpose and you know maybe that means demoting the price banner from from first down to third in in mm. the pecking order maybe um you know I I think that time will tell but it feels that there is a move towards wanting to know you know the measures of responsibility transparency and quality first and then add those to to the mix of of a very specific and 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 very binary you know price decision Mm, absolutely and as you say the so many manufacturers stepping up and and looking after ppe uh, supply during the last year or so it's a it's a a really positive heroic story isn't it and one that often gets forgotten a little bit but uh uh yeah when you sort of shine a light on it everyone does remember that um it's kind of saved our bacon yeah well our our sector doubled in size our sector for i I would say the sector that that, that are making something in the healthcare or ppe sector you know we now have twice as many uh members um in in that field uh, as we had before and 
I would expect that to 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 carry on increasing. You know, as as uh, as some of the PPE manufacturing comes back. Hopefully, all of it comes back. Uh, the the figure that was often quoted was that we used to source five percent of British made PPE in this country, and that it's now close to fifty. Mm. I can't remember exactly who quoted that. I perhaps shouldn't uh, shouldn't remember that. But but you know, if, if we can move that dial even further on lots of other sectors. You know, without the emergency of a pandemic behind us, uh, then I think that that's a good thing. It, it will certainly re- reduce the carbon footprint of those products. You know, if they're not coming in from a thousand miles away, wherever that is, you know, it, it's a lot further than if they're coming, you know, from from twenty miles away. So broadening out, then, uh, John, as you reflect on five years being CEO of Made in Britain, what trends have been most interesting to you in terms of the growth of the manufacturing sector? It has been an absolutely fascinating journey, I have to say. I mean, I, I tend not to say it much anymore, but I used to say to my chairman, I'd, I'd do this for free if I could afford to, because <laughs> it is a fascinating examination of a very specific sector that's brought together a diversity of manufacturing businesses that I don't think exists anywhere else in this way. Um, there is a, a professor up at Newcastle University that's writing a paper about how this is the first time in Made in Britain that manufacturers have come together independently to create their own mark and also to support and back their own mark. So you know, we are we are owned entirely by our members. Um, our members uh, dictate what we do. We serve our members with the membership fee that they pay every year, and we do it very proudly. In terms of trends that we've seen over the five years, I mean, there there have been a number of different sort of movements. I, I think in the past two years, I would say the sustainability green movement has been really influential. Um, and that's that's only only fitting given the emergency that we're in with the climate and biodiversity and, and resource scarcity. Um, but I think in the, in the early years, what the, the, the thing that struck me most actually was how, uh, you know, these were businesses that were content to just get along and do what they do and sell what they sell without much sort of publicity for themselves, but they seem to be enjoying the publicity and visibility that they get as a result of being in the group. And I think that says a lot about manufacturing sector, that these are are characters, if you like, in business. You know, it's nothing extraordinary at all in membership made in Britain to to have a member that's been around for 100 years or more. That's not that's not an extraordinary uh, business in our group. Uh, we have plenty. I mean, hundreds that have been around for forty, fifty, or sixty years. But there are, I, from from guesswork, I would say there are ten or maybe more that have been around for a hundred years. And you know, that kind of longevity is something that you very rarely hear about in in the business news. All too often, business news is about you know fast growth and protagonism and entrepreneurialism. You know these are, I would say, extreme collaborators. They're businesses that know how to get along in the economic environment that they're lumbered with. You know, very often, you know, they will have been through. In the case of the hundred-year-old businesses, they might have been through two world wars and multiple economic recessions. But mm. they are. They are great businesses with a character that really does start with responsibility for for the local and regional communities that they're in, um, and they don't they don't grow fast. They grow properly, and they do take you know product responsibility really as, as strongly as, as their responsibility to the employees that they've got. And I think that overall is a is a sort of complex mix, if you like, of of social economic impact of the group when we give it more visibility 
so that people can see, you know, what is the what is the impact of buying something that's locally made that's going to last for 20 or 30 or 40 years, as opposed to buying something that's not locally made that might only last for one. And I think that movement, if you like, that we're trying to put, we're trying to put eyes and teeth on that movement, um, I think is going to be of, of great public value, actually, to for people to know, you know, what it means to buy a responsible product from a responsible maker. Absolutely. Looking ahead then, uh, what advice would you give to British manufacturers listening to the show at the moment about the next the next couple of years? Oh, crikey. <laughs> That's a lot of advice. Um, you, you may have heard, but manufacturing is apparently the most risky business you can get into. Um, and that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I, I think I, I, I learned that before I got into you know, representing this group of incredible businesses. Um, but the advice really, I, th- I think the first advice is join Made in Britain. <laughs> so join Made in Britain. No, I mean, you know, make sure that you you know what you're getting into actually joining made in britain would be a good way to do that but you can't join unless you're already a manufacturer so but no it, it is important that you know what what the risk set is you know risk risk analysis is is vital in business obviously and risk analysis within a manufacturing business is different it's harder it's more complex you need more skills you may not need need more variety of skills on the premises to do all of the risk assessment around what it means to be a manufacturer of something in this country, you know, because the, all the other variables of, 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 you know, affordable labor and skill sets and raw materials and things, all of those are, are obviously factors, but it's being able to make a proper assessment of, of everything that could go wrong with your project and what you're wanting to do and how long it will take you to create a, a network of supportive businesses and colleagues and others that will be able to, to see you through the first three years. The, the other thing I, I would say is, is make sure you've got your funding really, really locked tight and, and secure and that you, you know, you're not making it up as you go along because you can't do that in manufacturing. You can't, you know, one of your risk sets is, you know, to, if you want to make something and sell it profitably in this country, You've got to be able to make a high quality product uh, that is fit for purpose, safe and available within a certain frame of t- uh, time frame. And to do all of those things, you, you can't rely on, on unreliable funding. You've got mm. to know where the money is coming from. There are funders out there for manufacturing, but they will need a lot more detail than just the risk of, you know, the person's time and, and a few laptop computers. That's not the risk set in manufacturing. So, yeah, I will say, yeah, join Made in Britain, perhaps, uh, or at least speak to Made in Britain so that we can put you in touch with lots of other manufacturers. And in fact, on, on, on the, there is some really good news on that. We have seen uh, some, some brand new entrepreneurial manufacturers appearing during lockdown uh, that have come to us and they've joined Made in Britain, having already started to make a product in this country. And they've joined us to get to know the manufacturing community. And that was a really strong sign because it, it definitely is harder to to be a successful manufacturer when you're doing it on your own. In fact, I would say that's perhaps the best advice. Don't do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Find a group of people who are competent with all the skills that you're going to need to do it. But but give it a try. You know, it is fascinating. It's a fascinating area of work and it, it's stimulating to try and make a product and sell it successfully and profitably in this country. Well, as you say, it is tough out there, but it's good to know you guys are there to hold people's hands. Uh, it's very reassuring. 
So we'll end the show the same way we do every week by asking our guests to tell us the one invention that if it was never manufactured, your life would be unbearable. What could you not live without? Goodness me. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, it, has, it would have to be my, my camera. Actually, I'm a keen amateur photographer and I, I shoot on film. Lovely. I, and I've been doing it. I, I've been a keen amateur for about 40 years. <laughs> uh, so I'm still a keen amateur, but I'm still an amateur. Uh, but I, yeah, I couldn't live without the camera. I, is the way I spend my spare time is taking pictures on film. And, and is it manufacturing that you're shooting? No, well, I shoot all sorts of things, landscapes and, and um, family portraits and, and all sorts of things. Um, and we have we have professionals to shoot, shoot <laughs> to take pictures of our manufacturers. Right, okay, fair enough. No, but I, I do enjoy photography and I, I think I would be, uh, uh, yeah, I would be devastated if, I, if, I, if, if nobody had invented the camera for me. Okay, well, you can take that to the desert island then. All it leaves me to do is say thanks to today's guest, John Pierce. Thank you very much for having me. Subscribe to this podcast in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon and Google Music. Thanks for listening to this edition of Remake Manufacturing. I'm Stuart Black. See you next time. Thank you.